My guest on this week's episode of Sudden Search is Kayla Kurtz, Director of Sales at Closed Loop. Kayla is one of the most respected sales leaders in our industry. She's held leadership positions at several well-known agencies and developed a reputation for doing digital marketing sales the right way. What do I mean by the right way? Well, we've all had the unpleasant experience of logging into LinkedIn and finding a slew of messages in our LinkedIn inbox from total strangers sending the same canned message to thousands of people. It's not pleasant. Kayla suggests that there's an alternative approach, which she calls sales with a soul. Kayla's approach places a premium on targeting fewer, higher quality prospects with an authentic message offering to help out. Kayla also practices a no asshole policy. She actually turns down sales opportunities when the prospect is going to be a headache after the sale. What's wrong with the smile and dial approach to sales? What are the benefits of becoming hyper-focused on a handful of prospects? What's the best compensation plan for sales reps? I'm going to ask these questions and many more. Grab something cold to drink and join me for a conversation with Kayla Kurtz. We'll chat about unsiloing sales and fulfillment. We'll chat about striking a balance between being responsive and being annoying. And we'll spend a little time talking about how to use, but not abuse, LinkedIn. All right, Kayla Kurtz, welcome to Sesame Search. How are you doing today? I am great. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm really excited to have you on because one of the things I want to try and do with this show is to explore areas in an agency or an in-house life that aren't as much discussed in conferences or webinars. And one of those areas is sales. And you have a reputation as one of the top digital marketing salespeople around. Tell our audience a little bit, bit, well, tell our audience a little bit about yourself and the sort of things you're working on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you. That's incredibly kind. Um, So as you mentioned, uh, I'm in uh, sales responsibility uh, in the agency world these days. So um, I started working for the team at Closed Loop Digital Advertising in February of this year, um, based out of California, but we're remote first team. So I'm still in Indiana. Um, But prior to that, I worked at two separate digital agencies as well. Um, So I've kind of been in this in a few different roles and varieties. Um, As a director of sales, my day-to-day definitely leans more toward new biz development, um, prospecting, and uh, also spending time developing presentations and such uh, for the brands that are already in the pipeline. Um, And then I also dabble a little bit in marketing um, for the agency as well. So uh, getting out to conferences and uh, handling some speaking engagements, things like that. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of what I spend my day, my day doing. Uh, it's a lot of pipe drive and a lot of email and a lot of LinkedIn. And I wouldn't trade it. <laughs> I, like, I, like, I like pipe drive too. I like that as a sales arm. So Me too. Well, one of the things that you and I discussed when we first met was this concept of sales with a soul. So to unpack that a little bit, you have a gripe with the way these services are being sold largely. Um, what don't you like and how can sales with a soul play into this? Yeah, uh, that's fair. I think a gripe is a maybe a nice way to put it. I <laughs> I absolutely loathe the very cold, no solid intention kind of outreach that seems to be all over. And it's not just in the digital marketing industry. Let's be clear, right? It's literally anything. I don't know. I I can't tell you how frequent it is that I go to see a LinkedIn connection request and at least 50% of the time, it's what am I about to get sold, right? Like no matter how (laughs) how solid they look. Um, So I think for me, 
I want to try to sell in a way and close loop wants to make connections in a way that is almost the exact opposite of that and a, a near complete contradiction of that, in fact. So starting with a, a true list of brands and prospects that you have a purpose for reaching out to, and it's not in most cases, hundreds at a time, right? It's very clearly watching your network. And when you see a former client who's moving roles um, to a different business and giving them some time by all means to settle in, but then reaching out and saying, hey, don't forget, we'd love to work with you again. Um, assuming that that's true, right? <laughs> so I think it's it's more that kind of, of watch out for for the kinds of, of connections that I see is still bringing a soul to things or I guess my favorite and it's slightly cattier but I don't mind right is if you see just bad advertising out there um, finding someone you may know in your network and reaching out and being like you know I mean it's not it's not as good as it could be so if you're open to a conversation here's an example of how we might do that differently um, everyone can potentially succeed more in that case, right? So it's still got a purpose. You've got a value that you're trying to offer, but you're also being kind of clear about the reasons why you're reaching it out. And it isn't, I reach out to everyone that I connect with. Right. right. I mean, I think it's, yeah, this, this idea of the imprecision of it. So like, this might surprise you, but I own a, you know, I own a PBC and SEO agency and people reach out to me offering PBC and SEO services. Like, what is that? They, I, I have I have a whole team of people who could do this for me. So that that imprecision seems to be at the root of the problem that we're discussing, which is like a sort of spray and pray model um, that's mostly just annoying. And I can tell you don't like this, but why is it so common? Why if it's if it's not working, why are people trying it? Is I guess one of the questions I would want to know. Sure. Well, that's where I think I get on a little bit of a soapbox to say um, sales should be something that you truly do enjoy, not just an easy entry point into something to do with a career. Uh, I, I truly enjoy selling. Um, and for that reason, I like to put a bit more time and effort into an individual conversation that may not turn actual fruit in terms of revenue, but the approach doesn't feel like it sucks the life out of me. And I think that's the difference, right? And so if you're someone who is okay with hitting the send button a hundred times on the exact same message to see if two will respond, I would just venture a guess to say that sales isn't actually what's going to be for you. Um, maybe in another industry, but for where I live, right? And digital, um, it's just not, it's just not what really keeps you going through those motions every day. It's got to actually have some, some weight behind it. So I think that's, I think that's a little bit the difference. And that's where I say, you know, if, if that's the kind of selling you want to do, you're not actually doing selling. Um, maybe you want to telemarket. That's not real selling to me. Um, right. if that makes sense. It does. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, everything you're saying, the, this policy you have is going to make a lot of sense to people based on what you said so far, which is you have a policy in your agency to have no assholes. So what is this policy and how do you guys enforce it? You know, how do you even enforce a policy like that? Yeah. Uh, it's not necessarily simple uh, because assholes don't necessarily show themselves immediately. Right. <laughs> um, but it's, it's finding folks who have a similar mindset. Um, so again, going back to kind of the sales approach, uh, looking for brands who are also putting their money where their mouth is a little and supporting things outside themselves. Uh, that's important to close loop. Uh, we try to 
also support nonprofits, um, local organizations that help keep um, the environment as as safe as possible. Um, robotics programs for um, especially girls who kind of get overlooked uh, with programs like that in terms of scholarships and things. So when we see other brands participating in similar kind of behavior, or you can check those kinds of softer elements, that's an easy way to eliminate folks, right? If if they come screaming into your pipeline and they needed a new agency yesterday, and there's nothing on their site that breathes human support or balancing the lives of their teammates, right, for, for getting the, the work done, I think that's a pretty good tell. So usually it, it, that's how we kind of pick and, and choose in that way. Um, find the match, find folks with similar patterns. Um, that weeds out a lot of it, thankfully. Well, I love this. And I think for people who are in fulfillment, they must love this policy, but I could imagine this gets tricky or could get tricky with, uh, with salespeople because salespeople are incentivized to make sales by getting commissions. So sure. it's hard to make sales and every single one of them takes tact and hard work and persuasion skills and all this stuff. So I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of a salesperson. I can't just sell whatever I want because we have a no assholes policy. So mm -hmm. this is great in theory, but could it end up hurting my ability if I'm, I'm the salesperson to make a commission or is there, is there something with that financial model with salespeople that, that you guys have, have uh, figured out? Yeah, I, I, that's a, very fair question because there's certainly an element of still what keeps me going. I'd be remiss not to admit it. Um, I love the the exchange program and the transaction of working something through the pipeline and watching it go off in, in the new revenue column, right? Like that's, I love the little illustrations that come up in my pipe drive to tell me I've done a good job today. Um, so there's there's definitely a need to have some of that. I think where there's a balance is in finding a program that does still incentivize your salespeople to get that new business, but not necessarily fully divorce them from responsibility for that account's success past the first X number of months, and that's going to be organizationally based, right? So depending on how long your clients tend to stick around, um, you don't want to tie your salespeople to the business that they've already brought on forever. They'll they'll tap out. They won't be able to bring in as much new business. It'll It's impossible, right? That's a different role. Um, but you do want them to feel connected to making sure that that transition is smooth. Um, I think collecting as much information up front to say, here's where we do know there are red flags. If we want to work around them, let's make that decision ahead of time and clear a path. Um, but then also, I mean, you don't get the full, the full commission until that client is truly going to stick around. Um, and so there is that, that little bit of a, I guess it's like a babysitting program of checking in, ensuring that the team feels like they have everything that they need. And for me, I almost always learn something in the first few months of a new client coming on board that helps me refine the sales process. So whether it's we were missing a piece of information and it'd be great if we had it prior to kickoff, something along those lines gets learned. And then I can fold that into my process to improve close rates later. So yes, it's good for the agency to kind of set it up that way, but I see so much upside to orienting myself as a salesperson in that way um, so that I keep learning. All right. Well, I, I like this. I'm, I'm 
I, I like the ethics of this so much, but one of the things I, you mentioned in our previous talk, you may have mentioned it today too, is that you have about 20 targets on your radar at any given time. So that's fewer targets than I would have anticipated, even knowing your approach, but I'm wondering how you get there. How do you go from every company in existence or uh, at least maybe every company in your CRM and your pipe drive mm-hmm. down to 20 good solid prospects that you can target? Yeah. Uh, I call it my squeeze list, right? So you're right. That's not the only, those aren't the only companies that I'm looking at on a given week. Um, that list probably does look like more 75, 80, but those okay. sort of ratings of what warms those leads up is what turns them into that squeeze list for me. And so those are folks who are changing roles. Um, uh, We have clients that are in acquisition mode pretty consistently. And so as they bring those additional brands under their portfolio, wanting to make sure that we're keeping an eye on those connections and those new opportunities. Um, Because in a lot of cases, even though they're coming into one, they're still functioning as very different business entities. Um, so it, it turns into more 20 brands that look like that. And let's be honest, um, we can clock them with the likes of SEM rush, pathmatics, right? And we know that they're spending in key categories to the tune of what makes sense for our agency. Um, we're not a fit for everyone. I think that's another thing that I, I love still about this industry is that um, there's different um, capability sets and focus areas for search, social, organic, paid. Um, and I love to see that there's still so much room for folks to specialize and find their expertise. Um, so for us, there's there's definitely an element that is oriented in that way. Um, we've got a creative department as well, right? So sometimes these are brands that we just notice maybe their ad strategy is fine, but we wish that their ads looked better. So we're reaching out to them more with, with that conversation. Um, so it's a mix of those. Do we have, I guess an easy way to put it is, do we have four or five solid reasons to be reaching out? If so, they go on our squeeze. If not, we kind of wait or we do the research to find them um, and to maybe move them into that squeeze list. But that's how you, I think you can stay focused. And like I said earlier, take the time to truly build and tailor messaging resources that are a fit for the problem that you see and that you're not just copy pasting from one conversation to the next. Right. Right. It's kind of like we were talking earlier about the downsides of being imprecise there are these benefits that you're mentioning about being laser focused, right? So what, what are some of those benefits of being like super focused, being very precise? Now you've, you've got your yeah. squeeze list down, you know exactly who you're targeting. You, you mentioned some of them, but I, if I could press you, what, what are some of those benefits of having just a really precise, very small list of targets that you can go after and, and sell that, that are qualified? Uh, I think the easy two uh, response rates are much higher. So I would say I get a response out of 90% of the folks that I reach out to, even if it's to say, just not right now. Um, now I've, I've gone through a very, it's special to me, uh, a sales program from the folks at Blind Zebra um, based out of Indianapolis. Um, and they teach you, right, to have like solid intent and also give folks an out they don't have to respond with, yes, let me get into your pipeline. Um, It can just be a response. So I think the way you frame that messaging, um, if that intent comes out and it's truly authentic, I think the response rate is partially due to that, but you're also giving them an opportunity to say, hi, I'm getting back to you. I just, this isn't in the cards for us at the moment. Um, 
and then secondarily, the pipeline is less ebb and flow. Um, there's more consistency in if you've got a, a nice squeeze list that's pretty responsive, you're almost always dropping a couple of new deals into the pipeline. And then on top of any inbound deals that are coming your way through website contact forms, that sort of stuff, um, you know, you've got a, a nice healthy balance there that tends to keep things more consistent than if you're more reliant on one side of, of the pipeline or the other. So I think for me, that's what keeps me pointed toward it is that the response rates kind of give you still that, that mini cookie of sorts <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> to say, okay, great. People are still paying attention to us. Um, but then seeing the, the pipeline stay consistent, even when contact forms go down, because you can kick into a few more of those outbound conversations. That's really where I think the rubber meets the road for a lot of salespeople when they say, I don't know what to do now. Um, it works yeah, for me. I love it. I love it. So this is another thing I want to talk to you about. So you brought it up early on in the conversation. We talked about it a few times, which is LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. So LinkedIn to me is a dumpster fire because, and if anyone is watching this, who sent me a direct message that I haven't responded to, I'm very sorry. I just get so much crap in LinkedIn that I don't even read the messages very much anymore. So to me, it's like abusive almost how much stuff I get. And when we get some sort of like award or something like that, it's just a recipe for me to just get bombarded with stuff yeah. in LinkedIn. So I know this is an important vehicle. I know that social selling is a, a major, uh, major importance, but when you consider LinkedIn, is there a way to use it that's in harmony with your philosophy, with your, your message? Yeah. Uh, I don't send, um, I, let me, let me back up. My mother would say to be very careful here in case I ever go into a world of politics. Let's not fib on ourselves. I won't say that I never send a LinkedIn connection request without a message, right? If you're someone that I just got off the phone with, I kind of assume if I send you a LinkedIn connection, you're going to accept because we just got off the phone with one another. Um, but beyond those sort of if-thens, I always send a message with a connection request for who I am, why I'm reaching out, and, and what I'd like to do. Um, whether it's just connect or, you know, my team said that they worked with you before and they'd love to stay in touch. And that's my job here now. Um, or listen, I noticed you've had an, a, a roll up for a few months now looking for digital help. Have you thought about an agency? Um, they don't always respond. Right. But almost always, like I said earlier, you get some kind of response, um, because there's an authentic message there. So, I think that's one step of it and it's very tactical, but it, it helps with the peppering of what is this connection about, right? Like you get through that noise a little bit more. Um, additionally, I think I've, I've put some, I've put some money behind this, right? And folks can kind of sniff out if you mean using social channels for true selling, I've got a sales navigator account so that I can send in mails to people who I'm really trying to connect with for valuable purposes so that they know I'm not just spamming them like everyone else, right? That's a limited number of credits you get um, unless you're going full on and, and you've got to use them wisely. And so it's also usually a second or third effort there that I send that in mail if I'm not getting a, a response otherwise. But I, I think that that's, that's a flag to folks that this isn't just another LinkedIn connection request from a spammy salesperson. There's a point here. So I love it. Well, 
Here's something, this is sort of a personal problem I have, but I'm, okay. I'm not good at this in sales and our director of business development happens to be very good at it, which is that I always want to make a deal. I want to get to a yes as fast as I can. Yeah. I'm in such a hurry to get to yes that I haven't sold the thing properly. Um, either I left money on the table or the program isn't good enough or I'm going to burn out the team, whatever. Um, years ago, I recognized this as a weak point. Um, I had a sales coach who kind of found this out about me. Do you have any tips about not selling a bad deal for your team and not like people who want to hurry to get to that? Yes. How can you kind of avoid that? Yeah, I, I do have one tool that has always served me quite well in this way. Um, and it's, it's just a discovery guide, right? It's just a question call sheet, um, that we use throughout the sales process to plug in information we're learning whether it's mandatory to have before we go into like an audit process, right? Like understanding the background of, you know, what the different conversion points are, what we need to be looking at in terms of goals for cost per acquisition, you know, qualified lead volume, et cetera, et cetera. And those things are important, right? But if, if we find that we've gone through a sales process that for us usually takes somewhere around four to eight weeks, depending, uh, there's of course outliers, but if throughout the course of that, time frame, we haven't filled in the blanks of 80% of those questions. Something's a little amiss. And I think that's when we tend to pump the brakes just a little bit and continue to ask more questions to verify that we're not walking into something that either we can't truly deliver a solution for, um, or that there are things much larger at play in terms of the challenge there that need to be uncovered which isn't to say they can't be solved, just that we need to truly understand them fully. So things like that might include, you know, front and back end tracking, not being fully connected. We have a team who can help with that. But if what we're discussing all the way throughout and our plan and our strategy is based off of illegitimate data, that's going to be a little tough for everyone to succeed in. So I think it's really looking at ourselves honestly and saying, no matter who comes screaming into the pipeline, even if we've worked with them before and all signs point to a very healthy, willing to grow account, there's something there too that we need to uncover, which is why are you running so quickly? Um, and there might be a, a couple of different reasons for that. So as long as we can look ourselves in the face, particularly at that discovery doc and say, yeah, we've answered the the most important questions and we've got at least insight into orange or red flags. Let's get after it and see what happens. Um, but there's, there's definitely, I think you have to have that check and balance because there are still some of those, those cases you live in the agency world, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like, no, no. Why are you, why have you gone through six agencies in the last six months? That's yeah. a little strange. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, 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 I understand this very well. So, okay. Well, I have one last question. This is, I'm, I'm going through all my pet peeves now with you, but this is, uh, this is great. This is another pet peeve of mine. So I work with a lot of like early stage entrepreneurs. I see them make this mistake. Um, I watch agency folks make this mistake, but this is not unique to agencies. I notice a lot of times the job of a salesperson which should be different than a marketing person, but very often salespeople are hired and their job function sounds extremely similar to a marketing person. They're supposed to originate opportunities. They're supposed to do outbound selling. Um, in short, there's kind of like people are 
I don't know, companies are cheap about their marketing spend and take that out on their salespeople. So I wonder where you fall on this. How important as a salesperson is it for you to originate opportunities to find, uh, you know, take it from soup to nuts and, and find the whole, they take, take the whole sales process on and how important is it to have a good partner in marketing within the, the agency? Yeah. Well, I think you just nailed it right there, which is you've got to have a, um, a connection with your marketing department. If you're going to have sales folks doing a little bit of that job and fulfilling some of that role. Um, I think there's a ton of value in it. Um, when I was on the team at Hannapin slash brain labs, uh, clicks and here at close loop, I, I believe wholeheartedly that salespeople are kind of the first line of defense in hearing what's happening in the industry and in the market, um, particularly if you're in an agency that's fairly industry agnostic, right? So you're not particularly focused one way or the other, B2B or B2C. Um, it can be sometimes easier for a, a true marketing department to keep their eye on on the conversations that need to be had and the content that needs to be built. But things evolve so quickly um, that I consider myself a critical tool in sourcing what needs to be said from our marketing messaging. So to that end, I think that it's important to have that connection, um, but you can't do it all, right? So then that's where there does, um, and I'm fortunate to have a team of awesome marketing folks that I work with who kind of listen to my rambling sales ideas and say, okay, okay, uh, great. Let's put that into a white paper. I think what you're talking about is a white paper, Kayla. Um, and so that's, I think that's definitely a critical piece of it. Um, so I, I also think that for me, um, I have to participate. Yes, I'm a control freak, uh, but I have to participate a little bit in that prospecting outbound sourcing of the list to keep myself excited. Um, if they're all just coming to me, I kind of miss some of that yeah, I care about this brand or I love this brand and use it myself. We use this brand as an agency team, whatever the messaging behind it might look like. If they're all just a, you know, a cold purchase list of leads, that's just not going to get me up and motivated to start the day. So that's where I still kind of, I think your foot in the door a little bit both ways is beneficial. I like it. I like it. And I, just as a compliment to you guys, I think you guys do a really good job of like, unsiloing these functions. So like in every, in every way, you know, salespeople have an interest in the delivery people and what they, what they have to do. And, and likewise, I think this can be, you know, salespeople a lot of times get put into their silo and just like do your job and don't, don't interfere <laughs> yeah. with the other parts of the store. But uh, what, I mean, kind of, I guess that's the last question. Kind of take me through what has been the benefit of that, like breaking down those barriers and letting people kind of work in a collaborative fashion. Yeah, it, you know, it, it keeps the whole team motivated toward new business. And selfishly, that is the job I'm still here to do. So it's nice to be able to have teams that are so willing to collaborate and departments that will open up the doors to one another to make sure that those transitions and that that traction is consistent and, and that you're, you know, learning from one another. Um, I sit in on our ad team. Uh, they do like uh, brown bag seminars where they go through training activities and I sit in on them and try to learn alongside them. I'll never be as great as they are. Let's not get it twisted. That's why I'm in sales. But in the same way that, um, you know, they're not necessarily oriented towards selling, I need them 
to work through the sales process with me to put together those audits and analyze those accounts. Uh, and I need them to get excited as well. So I think that that's, that's a big part of what can be a difference maker is if you take the time to go through discovery phases and really build up the here's why we're working through this pitch together. Um, teams naturally lift as more of a group. Um, and then you just see that continue to expound on itself over time, right? Because then they see that they mentioned a brand with terrible ads and you put them in the queue and we watched and then we gave them a case study and then they submitted a contact form and what they're in the pipeline. We get to audit their accounts. Absolutely. I'd love to help. There's, you know, that's still that payoff. Um, and so that's, I think that's been able to be a fun element of, yes, I'm doing my job and you all are doing yours, but we're doing it together so that we get the best output, which is clients that are excited to grow, that are pumped to tell us their story, but let us advertise that story. And then who don't hold us over a fire day in and day out. And as we talked about earlier, aren't assholes. Um, that's, that's where it's at. I think that's, none of us are necessarily saving lives here. Um, but if what we can do is fun work from time to time, I think that's, that's the ticket. Okay. All right. Well, very cool. Well, I appreciate it. I mean, Kayla, if people want to learn more about you or your agency uh, or the agency where you work at, I'm sorry. Uh, what's the best way to reach out to you? What's your favorite social media? How should they connect? Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Find me on LinkedIn, but you had better send a message with it or it, the likelihood is high that I will ignore decline. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but then also definitely check out our team, uh, closedloop.com. We're going to be, um, I'm headed out to Saster with a few of my colleagues um, here shortly. And then we're going to women in sales uh, up in Napa as well. And I'm hoping that this is a pattern of all of us being able to get back out there and see one another. So in addition to this element, um, definitely come find me out at those events. And um, thanks so much, Mark, for the opportunity. This was fun. It isn't often folks ask about the sales element, as you mentioned. So it was my pleasure to be here. No, the pleasure was all mine. So thank you again. I'm gonna give you a virtual cheers. And for everybody else, we'll be back next week with another episode of Sales and Search. Thanks, Kayla. Thanks. 